0: This is Peggy No Stevens and you are listening to the Cat Chasers Podcast.
1: Bobby. All right, Aaron. So take a deep breath. <gasps> Exhale. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> how you guys do that? Because I know we're all very excited for today's episode. And part of the reason that we wanted to uh, get the scheduling right, get everything teed up is because we have a rather incredible guest joining us today.
2: When you meet a rock star and she's probably not going to recognize herself as one because she's super humble and awesome, but she's a rock star to us. So to have her on the show is is um, nerve-wracking. I don't want to say nerve-wracking. Intimidating. A little so, intimidating. Mind-blowing. Yeah, no, mind, We're, mind jo- blowing. Yeah. we're excited.
3: Using superlatives. A, Let's
2: do uh, that. Right,
1: right. She seems nice. I'm sure she'll be gentle with you guys. A legend.
2: <laughs> I hope she's not. I hope she's super tough. That's how I learn. So mm-hmm. I hope she's aggressive and tells me I'm wrong constantly throughout the whole time. That's what I want. That's how I imagine this to go.
1: Well, I think, I think we're about to figure out what's about to happen. Because without further ado, joining us on the Cast Chasers podcast, we have... Master Blender, the first female master bourbon taster, founder of the Bourbon Women Association, and founder of Peggy No. Stevens & Associates, mega bourbon influencer, and Louisville native, Peggy No. Stevens. Peggy, welcome so much to the podcast. Hey, gang. How is everybody?
0: I'm so glad to be finally on your show. (laughs) This is (laughs) awesome.
2: We're glad to have you. We're excited. Thank you so much for doing this with us. We appreciate it.
0: What was your
1: first impression when, when we reached out to you and invited you onto the podcast and this, this whole Cast Chasers group?
0: Well, um, I think it was actually just a very friendly exchange of information. And then it was almost comical because we kind of landed on a date and then the, a little bit of email trouble, calendar trouble, and then I ended up having to take a quick trip. And so we had to do a couple schedules. But we finally got here, right?
2: Oh, we're excited to be here. And we've, it gave us extra time to do our research and to get to know, you know, we listen to you all the time, your um, podcast, your books and everything, but we did a little extra depth. So when you said, you know, I can't make it, we got to reschedule. We were just like bummed, but also relieved because it gave us more time (laughs) to get prepared because, you know, how do you drink whiskey with somebody that literally wrote the book in a lot of ways on on what that means, so... Again, thank well, you. Well,
0: you're very kind. You're yeah. very kind. Thank you.
2: So I'd like to sort of kick it off
3: a little bit, Peggy. I, While doing, you know, a little bit of research background, after having already listened to you on a number of podcasts, read some articles and all that, I got about, you know, halfway through just a random list online I found of your credentials and accolades and that sort of thing and I needed a nap and then after that I you know <laughs> I came back to it and read through the rest of it and I mean it's the you're a, a mainstay a, a sort of a modern cornerstone in the whiskey industry I think one thing I'd like to start talking about is just how I've heard you sort of tell your story a number of times on a number of different podcasts, but I learn something new every single time you you tell you tell your story. So if you could just for those very few of our listeners that have probably never that have never heard of Peggy No Stevens, who is Peggy No Stevens? Where'd you come from? How'd you grow up? And what led you to where you are right now?
0: Sure. Well, first of all, if only my husband would say such flattering things <laughs> to me.
2: I'll
3: text as, him.
0: As you, I've been telling him I'm great for years. and It's about time leave. he hears it. But yeah, yeah. He, he needs to step up. That's all I have to say. But um no, I actually, my whole career, honestly, has been in whiskey or some type of hospitality or entertaining. And, you know, born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. You know, it's no secret, of course, that there was always bourbon in our house, whether it be in the eggnog or my mother's, you know, highball growing up. I I, I still can smell that, you know, as I was at we we'd be hosting parties. So I have to say that my mom and dad gave me really, I think, the foundation of entertaining and, you know, being happy to see people and wanting to be around people and hosting. You know, so I will absolutely say that. And then, of course, growing up in Kentucky, I went to the University of Kentucky. You know, always there was you know bourbon and and coke. I hate to say it at that point, uh, <laughs> in my tumbler at football games and and other other parties. So you know, again, bourbon came on the scene. Then I actually had an internship at the Hyatt Regency in Lexington. And that really formed kind of the the catalyst to my first job in the hotel industry once I graduated. And I ended up being in catering and convention services and uh, learned all aspects of wine and food and culinary and be back in the kitchen with the chefs designing menus and you know, and of course, bourbon was there again. I worked at three Hyatt hotels in that early period of time in Chicago, which taught me just, just a ton and really made me grow up, frankly, uh, working in a big city and learning a lot about innovative initiatives, you know, in hospitality. And then when I finally came back to Kentucky, uh, Brown Foreman actually headhunted me. And that goes back to like 1990, I think. And when they headhunted me, it was about a position that uh, to start kind of this event planning, meeting planning, travel department. And so based on all my hotel, you know, foundation, I, I was anxious to, you know, started a big company because if you've ever worked in boot camp hotel I call it. Um, it's, you know, grueling hours. And, you know, you're on your feet all the time. It's like restaurant work. You know, that's why I always admire restaurant people. It's, it's really hard work. And so I was kind of interested to see what life would be like on the corporate side. And through many, many years of working there, I had so many opportunities. I believe I was there 17 years. So I did everything from, you know, travel all over the world, you know creating these beautiful you know spirit events whether they wine or 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 whiskey events and then um later on started with the Woodford Reserve distillery i was part of the opening team uh that created uh, the guest services program and it was there frankly that uh Lincoln Henderson who was the master distiller at the time uh really valued my palate and he he was a foodie, which I loved because we always talked about, you know, food flavors and whiskey. And and so the more I heard him speak, the more I was around him. The general manager finally came to me and said, hey, what about if we train you formally to become a master bourbon taster and you can help, you know, be an ambassador and, and we'll put you on the road and you know have people taste with you and teach and educate and you know another um part of it was you know going in the warehouses and drilling barrels and pulling samples and you know doing all of those types of things so of course I jumped on it uh because being a master taster isn't anything you really go to school for <laughs> you know it's not like a degree which it's probably going to be a degree one of these days just like distilling uh, but that was really I think so important because that master taster title. And all the things I do fast forward today in my company, which I've had my company now for 13 years, I I I use my skill set every day, you know, profiling whiskey, building brand destinations, which is what I do now with my PNSA team. And we have built 32 visitor centers uh, across the nation and do tasting programs and retail environments. And, you know, alongside of that, uh, when I started my business, I decided, too, that the the industry really wasn't speaking to women. And I knew that all the time that I was in the spirits industry prior to that. But when you're in your own company, you can do whatever the hell you want. So that's <laughs> when that's when I decided, hey, we've got to start talking to women. We, we've you know, they're the other half of the population. So in 2011, I uh, pulled a really cool group of women together who I knew was as spirited about, you know, bourbon and the culture and lifestyle around it. And we organized, uh, the now known association bourbon women, which we're celebrating our 10 year anniversary this year. Wow. Which is amazing. just, uh, it's amazing. I mean, I, it's a, been a blink. I will tell you that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been an amazing journey. Literally thousands of women across the U S who, you know, Really, come together to celebrate our signature industry, and um, it, it's just been a fascinating relationship. Uh, and, and the women that I meet, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but have just been so important to not only my career but just my life. What they've done for me personally.
2: My um my wife is actually a member. She's a she's a part of it. Oh great! Yeah, and um, you know, we're lucky we're a whiskey enthusiast and we work, I guess you could say in the media side of things. And I guess if you can't, if you can't do teach, we kind of fell in that <laughs> category. Okay. So I can't make it, um, but I can can't talk about it. it. I can appreciate it. Right, um, right, but right. something I've learned and I, I really appreciate with you and, and for my wife, who's a whiskey, you know, aficionado herself, she knows a lot about whiskey. I can walk into a liquor store and no issue. I can be like Ron Swanson and and, uh, and, uh, and, and and Lowe's. I can you know I don't need any help. I got this. I know more than you do. But I see her going in the liquor store and she gets that automatic somebody trying to tell her what she should drink can or I what help she should. Yeah, do you know what section you're in? But yeah. I can tell you, being working in this industry and the media side of things, and we teach classes and we do tastings and dinner pairings. Women in this industry are powerful. I mean, there's a voice. Uh, they're super knowledgeable. I've learned more from that element than I have anywhere A woman's palate blows my mind. I, we always joke around about, you know, we'll taste something. And I'll say, yeah, I taste vanilla. And then my wife will taste the same thing. And she'll go on this journey. And then I'm like, that's in there? All of that's in this glass? And then I heard you once say to someone, I, I can't remember where it was, but somebody said they tasted citrus. And you were like, well, what kind of citrus, honey? Tell me more about it. Go into depth. And it struck me as this empowering moment where I we're not listening enough and uh, or thinking enough about it. So thank you for being out there and making what it should be really. I mean, more women, more women doing amazing things in this industry and killing it.
0: Well, thank you. And, you know, it, it's funny because what we have found over the course of 10 years of urban women and, and women in general, it's more than just the demographics. It's the psychographic of a female mm. and that psychographic of women uh, that drink bourbon specifically. And I'm telling you, I've been up close and personal to this for 10 years or more is they're very confident women. Uh, they love soft adventure. They're curious. They're foodies. They love to travel. They're fun spirited. They're really intelligent women, mainly professional women. It's really that psychographic that surrounds them. But the other piece of it that I really think that we debunk the myth in the industry is that you had to dumb down, lower proof and sweeten bourbon in mm-hmm. order to make women like whiskey. Uh, and that was simply not the case. We, we did blind tastings. We have done research studies by universities. We, we've done it all. And they traditionally go for higher proof. More robust and spicier bourbon.
1: I knew it. I'm so happy right now.
0: <laughs> are you a barrel? Are you a barrel strength girl?
1: I do enjoy barrel strength. I also enjoy yeah. a peaty scotch and a full body ah, wine. So,
0: okay. see what I'm saying? Yeah, uh-huh. right. The more robust, the mm-hmm. more flavor, and that goes to what you were saying about my citrus comment. I, you know, I write. I'm a reviewer for American Whiskey Magazine, so I, I review about 25 blind tastings a quarter. Okay. And I write all the tasting notes and and all of those things. And what I try to have people understand is, you know, you really can, because of our food memory, go deeper into a flavor, what I call the flavor intensity. Mm -hmm. So instead of just saying, well, I taste sweet, you know, you identify that sweet, you know, and they might say, well, I taste sugar. Well, what kind of sugar? You know, golden sugar, cane sugar, brown sugar, sorghum, molasses, syrup, What? You know, and then all of a sudden, woo! that that vocabulary just starts talking. And it's really exciting when I see people open up and get relaxed about, you know, the vocabulary of what they're drinking instead of getting real tight and saying, oh, you know, I'm intimidated, Mm -hmm. you know, because really anybody can do this. It's just I've had a hell of a lot of practice (laughs) in a good way.
2: (laughs) Sometimes you get I don't want to say scared, but you'll drink a whiskey and all that comes to mind is vanilla leather and the the you know sure. the basic notes traditional
0: right yeah
2: and you don't want to say it because you're you're just saying the notes that everyone says but sometimes that's just what you get and i respect it but then you'll hear somebody throw out pencil eraser or something aggressive and you're like what and uh-huh. then you taste it and right. now you taste pencil eraser so you're uh-huh. right there's that brain part that clicks in and just makes you i guess makes you taste that thing and you can kind that's of guide right. somebody through mentally with it
1: i wrote down the word psychographic <laughs> I wrote that down because I think that encapsulates something that on one side I've been trying to articulate in a better way as far as things that I'm observing about women in whiskey, right? So for example, we've been talking with a lot of incredible women in the whiskey industry to uh, release our women in whiskey series in March. And one of the themes that I've been saying is you have so many women who kind of got their way into this industry through events, through hospitality, through understanding more of this type of spirit's place in our culture as part of our experiences and the memory-making with people. And then when you combine just maybe a more subtle or nuanced uh, palette or ability to taste all those different flavors because it clicks into a memory, not trying to recite a mash bill, Mm -hmm. I think you get Mm -hmm. this beautiful pairing of understanding whiskey's place in our lives and also how many more layers there are to go through it, even if you don't have years of experience in making it.
0: Hundred percent. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And you know, even how I started um with my first question that you asked of me, uh, I went back to my childhood mm-hmm. and thinking about just the aroma of eggnog bourbon, you know, with bourbon in it and my mother's whiskey or a highball rather. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, it, it's those memories along the way. And then I went to college and it was in my tumbler, and then I went you know, we we all have these memories of aromas. And, you know, the time that we drank X, Y, Z, we all remember that great bottle of red wine that we had once in our life that we'll probably never drink again. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all of these really kind of key special moments and relationships that you, that you really embrace, you know, and, and think about when you're, when you're tasting spirits.
1: Absolutely. And and it kind of makes me wish that maybe we were able to, maybe for the next time through, we'll be able to taste something that none of us have tasted before. I'd love to make a tasting memory with you Mm -hmm. on that.
3: There you go. We'll put it
1: on the schedule. Oh, I would
0: love that. (laughs) Yes. Um, Now, that would be fun. We'll do our own blend together on on air.
1: I love it. I'm not going to fight that. (laughs) So we had the
2: opportunity um, to blend. We partnered with uh, Reservoir Distillery um, out of Virginia and... Jay brought up his weeded, his wheat whiskey, rye whiskey, corn whiskey, all at 100 proof. And we we mixed them ourselves and blended them ourselves. Mm. And as a team, as a Cast Chasers team, we had a few people there and we kind of made our own and bottled it with our logo on it and sold it on the shelf. We believe it's probably the best rye because it turned out to be a high rye that exists. I try to tell people you got to remember, too, there was a moment there that we had experienced together that made it even more special. Mm. Yeah. And I try to Absolutely. sell that idea too behind why are whiskey so amazing? First off, it is great. First off. <laughs> Second Double off, plug. there was a moment that we shared together. So it was a lot of passion and love that went into it. So I to your point on, it's not just what's in the bottle, it's the memory that went behind it or the the, the passion or the story or whatever it may be that adds to that kind of mental flavor, I guess. If if that's the right, it really
0: does. Yeah, it really does. And, you know, uh, bourbon women, you know, we're celebrating all year long, our 10 year anniversary. And one of the initiatives that we're personally excited about because now we're going to make new memories is exactly what you just said. We're pulling together many of our experts who are our members and on our board. And we are going to different distilleries to taste according to a woman's palate, Mm. And we will be launching that program this year of what we find and what we bottle. We're going to video the whole thing. It's going to be amazing. And I can't wait to see who we meet along the way because we'll be pulling women who work for those distilleries in with us. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to be this big powwow. And we're excited Mm -hmm. about it. Very excited about it.
3: So uh, Bobby and I are fortunate enough to have somehow surrounded ourselves with amazing women that also love whiskey. We're very lucky about it because we, we were, uh, years ago, we were, uh, it's vanilla, it's it's sugar, it's oak, you know, like it, it's just... This stuff, right. and then Bobby's wife is actually here in the here in the room, and so is my wife, Christina. Oh, great!
0: Um, so hello, hello, hello! Come on in. They're,
3: they're waving from Come on screen. in, come on in, come
0: on in.
3: Um, I but, never
0: keep a woman outside. There you go. <laughs> there we go. But
3: they they amaze me over and over again, and Bob, Bobby will talk about dana you know saying this thing that like never occurs to us about a whiskey when we're like vanilla and it's like oh uh, you know a vanilla bean and like mm-hmm. you know uh, what did you, you said something about said rolling clovers. through clover yeah at some point oh, and, I love it. and it's yeah. so like it, and like and they say it and i'm like yeah, that is what that smells like. Or, yeah, that is what that tastes like. Why can't why can't I get there? My wife will do a thing. She'll be like, just bring me a pour or something. And I'll bring her a pour or something. And I mean, we have a substantial whiskey collection. And I won't tell her what it is. Nine times out of ten, she'll say, oh, this is the such and such. And I'm like, oh, my God. And the other time, she'll just describe to me exactly what it tastes like and she'll like describe everything in it and all of that and it I, it just blows my mind constantly it's so we're bobby like i said bobby and i are super fortunate to be surrounded by women that are crushing it
2: as far as i'm concerned on that level i, I hear i've heard the statistics before in the industry you know quote quote industry that it's actually 41 percent give or take women is that a i don't know if that there's an accuracy there that actually work at some capacity in this in this in this in this industry, which I think is awesome. I think if you look at a lot of other industries, you don't see that that big of a number. But there are leadership positions now. Um, there are you know ambassadors. They're working in distilleries. They're working in the uh, you know the sales front or whatever that may be. A lot of people that we actually end up in, engaging with. Heck, when we decided to do this, you know, for Women's Month, Katie was like, you know, can we find some powerful women out there in this industry? I'm like, the
1: list just
2: I'm like, list just. I can't get phew. we can't get them all on. There's so many amazing women. <laughs> we, we lucked
1: I, out that it's a five week month is my, what we did. Right. That's right. My
2: heart broke because yeah. there's there we had Penderin, which is, uh, you know, Welsh whiskey. Their whole distillery team is female, is women. And by act, they didn't even mean to do that. They just happened to be the best women for the job, best people right. for the job it was hard to not to leave people out. And I think, I mean, that that's a testament to me that there is movement and you, people like you are doing something really cool and uh, positive. We're lucky to have, I mean, Katie, look at her killing it. The Hi. best hey, director we've well, ever had.
1: Well, thanks
0: guys. Well, thanks. I, I think, you know, I'm not, I, I don't have a percentage that percentage seems really high, frankly to me, but um, I think we're on the right trajectory. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, when you really think about my, even my title of master bourbon taster, you know, that was given to me in the late nineties. All right. And, and by the way, first female master bourbon taster in the world. And I remember how that at that time it struck me so odd. Mm-hmm. What, what do you mean? You mean I'm, I'm first? What? I, I remember me being so excited about the position but kind of dumbfounded and a little sad, frankly, mm-hmm. uh, that it took this long just for one. Uh, so that's, if you have to say, you know, that's where my head has been is where are all the rest of the women? And so, you know, that's why part of my legacy, I hope, is, you know, bringing women along in their careers. I coach a number of women in this industry you know, I think there are better programs now for women to engage with distilleries to, you know, move up the ranks in production and have a voice and, and a position. I still think we need a heck of a lot of work on the C-suite level, mm-hmm. executives, women in those types of positions for spirit companies. Uh, but we're moving along. And like I said, we're, we're headed in the right direction. And then, you know, the second piece of that is pay scale. So. You know, something we can be excited about is more women as a percentage working within, you know, the distilling industry or spirits companies. But where I really want to get excited about is comparing the pay scale. And to see, you know, what women truly are making compared to men in equal roles. Then I'll be in Nirvana.
1: I love Everything that you just said, Peggy, and just as a little bit of background, my day job is in the telecom industry, so we're definitely not close to 41% on that one, (laughs) but it's so interesting because you see the same trends repeated throughout each each one, I think, each with its own characteristics, and one thing I'd love to get your thoughts on, when I joined the Cast Chasers podcast in the director capacity and we started recording episodes, doing tastings through the podcast, doing them live or virtually... Um, some of the feedback that I got from female listeners was just, I never would have thought to say this out loud that I'm getting off of the, the taste or the nose of this whiskey because I was nervous. I didn't want to say something embarrassing that wouldn't mash. And so with you know the reputation that you have as the first female master taster, as someone with a palate and someone who also understands the value of just opening up the conversation to promote women within this culture... What are some of the things that you've done or, I guess, shared to try and, and help get that comfort level so people do want to engage back in the conversation?
0: Yeah, I think the main thing has been general awareness of women as a consumer. You know, uh, th- I look at our consumer base. I mean, think how far along we'd be if if everybody had reached out to women even You know, 10 years ago in their marketing campaigns. I mean, there's very few commercials I even see, frankly, in the spirits industry that are specifically toward that target market. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like a tertiary market, uh, for a lot. So where I think I try to educate is the things we're doing with bourbon women first and foremost. And the distilleries have been beautiful on how they have responded because it gives them a platform to come in in a very non-commercial way. Mm And teach the women about their product. And so we've put on over 200 events in the course of 10 years wow. and w- which is pretty impressive. And, you know, we've developed branches in 10 different cities. And so here you go, you know, distilleries, you know, come in, come teach, bring them into the franchise. Right. So that's, that's one way. I think another way is really at our whiskey conferences, you know, that we attend and that consumers attend. Uh, I have been to countless, countless, countless trade shows. And I try so hard with especially some of the conference leaders to say, look, you've got to make women feel comfortable, you know, coming to these conferences. And I've literally had an experience just to share with you. And I can think of two that are very sharp in my mind. One was in Florida and one was in Indiana where there was a big trade show. And I was behind our Bourbon Women booth but I decided I wanted to walk around to, and, you know, taste and sample mm-hmm. just like the rest of the crew. And there were a couple women and there was a bunch of men surrounded by a table of whiskey. And the the distillery rep was literally a hundred percent talking and gearing the whole conversation to the men. And the two women, especially the one in Florida that I remember were on the outskirts with me and they were on the corner and they kept trying to like put their glass in together. <laughs> oh geez and ask a question and they just could not be recognized and and they looked at me and they had no idea who I was they had no idea these were consumers they had no idea who I was um so I took it upon myself just to really kind of raise my voice and say hey guys these two women have some questions over here can you (laughs) hear them uh-huh. nice <laughs> love it and and the head turned and then they recognized it was me The you know, the distillery people and they're <laughs> like oh Peggy oh my gosh of course of course of course you know it's those moments or if you're at a bar you know and the woman gets to the bar and steps up to the bar and you know they ask what she'd like and says gosh I'd love a, a great Manhattan oh okay they're gonna assume that you know she wants the lower proof Mm -hmm. you know, whiskey or a call call brand Mm -hmm. instead of asking what bourbon would you care for in the Manhattan? They just assume. So it's those little moments that I'm just saying, you know, bartenders, mixologists, be aware of the audience. You know, whiskey conferences, be aware of that audience. You know, distillery reps, be aware of that audience because the more you're aware, I promise it'll pay off on case sales.
1: Do you ever think about, so that instance at the conference with the woman from Florida that you mentioned, do you ever reimagine what their reaction would have been if you hadn't been Peggy No Stevens? Like if you were just another female bourbon enthusiast there, just trying to get recognized?
0: I can't imagine. I mean, no, I probably can't imagine. But knowing me, regardless, I probably just would have <laughs> elbowed my way in. Uh, you know, elbowed my way in. I'll take the bottle got to for the you. <laughs> table and got to my drink, and you know, but um, and it just it just doesn't need to be like that. And yeah. so. Again, I give an A for effort in the industry right now because we're headed in that trajectory. But there's just still so much more work to do. And part of that work is the consumer recognizing
3: our female consumer. So I'd I'd, I'd like to speak a little bit to the um, consumer or about the consumer as well, um, sort of actually to spin off this whole line of conversation. Coming into this month and just, I knew we were going to be talking to, you know, uh, big, big, uh, big names for, you know, women in whiskey. I pulled up just sort of our social media statistics, who follows us. And I was actually pretty happy to discover that we've got, Right around a 32, 33 percent following that is female for the cast right. for the cast chasers. But um yeah, we want to get it up. Katie is giving me a thumbs <laughs> up. Yeah, we we want to get it up from there. But what would you say to someone who is a whiskey or bourbon enthusiast that maybe kind of wishes their spouse was involved or you know, had an affinity for it, or would even try it and not just sort of push it away? Or what would you also what would you say to Maybe a spouse or a loved one that sees their loved one's obsession <laughs> sometimes with, you know, whiskey, bourbon. And, you know, like, uh, what would you say to that person if they want to get involved, if they want to sort of understand sure, what it is? Sure, it's a it great
0: is. question. Well, thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's a great question. And actually, I see it all the time. Yeah. You know, whether it is, um, we have our annual symposium conference for, for bourbon women. And we're seeing more and more men, for example. Uh, come to it because they want to learn more about bourbon because their wife loves it uh and they're just getting into it. Or the flip side, you know, I see more and more men and that come to me and they're so they love like when I do my tasting notes and they love reading about, you know, some of the articles I'm doing about the industry and, they, and they'll and literally write me and say, how do I get that? my wife or my spouse or my girlfriend, how do I get her engaged in in this? And the first thing that I, I tell them, it's like my husband, you know, I know how to play golf. Okay. I know how to play golf. My dad had a golf club in my hand at 12 years old, but just time and, you know, business and travel and things kind of drew me from golf. But my husband's an avid golfer and he's like, oh, he's dying for me to get back into golf. And so I'm like, I'll do it when I'm ready. I'll do it when I'm ready. You know, you, you, you can't force it on a spouse or, you know, if you do, then it's, a, it's going to be a turn off because it's fo- so forced. So the best way, I know I kind of went around the block here. The best way is just to say, why don't you attend an event with me? You don't even have to drink bourbon if you don't want to, but experience this. You know, whiskey dinner and you can get wine or you can get whatever you want to drink. You know, that's one way, you know, just let them enjoy the event and, and they will naturally be curious about the content at the event. The other way is to start them with a cocktail with bourbon. Don't just jump in and think that, Oh, pour them a flight of barrel proof and they're going to love it. You know, because it's, have you ever heard my theory of craft cheese? How whiskey is like craft cheese.
1: I'd love to hear I'm it. Have you ever dying. heard this theory? No, but I need it. <laughs> the one YouTube video I didn't okay. listen to.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. Well, remember craft cheese when we were a kid? Yeah. We loved it in our grilled cheese sandwiches. I mean, we begged our mother to make us the grilled cheese, right? And so we thought that was the best cheese known to man. Then, as we graduated a little bit, then all of a sudden, one Christmas, somebody introduces you to Gouda. And you're like, this is cheese? My gosh, I've only (laughs) ever had those little square orange things. And so this Gouda is like, I'll never eat anything else. It's so good. But then somebody says, hey, have you ever had goat cheese? And then you taste goat cheese and you're like, well, you know, along with Gouda, I'm going to like my goat cheese. Then all of a sudden, one day is blue cheese and you're knocked off your socks. And you're like, oh my gosh, I think I like lots of cheese. So, same with whiskey, right? You know, you might start off with a cocktail. And it might be something light, like a highball. It might be something like an old fashioned that I can sip on and enjoy. And then all of a sudden I'm going to graduate maybe to a Manhattan, you know, which might be a little more potent because it has more flavor and I'm getting turned on by all the flavors. Then all of a sudden you might say, you know, I don't want any mixers with this. I think I would like, you know, a bourbon right on the rocks. And then the next thing you know, you're drinking it neat. <laughs> then the next thing you know, you've got a barrel proof. So do you see my point? Yeah. yeah. We evolve, mm-hmm. our palate evolves. And until you're introduced and served up in the correct way on your own terms, you know, that's when you embrace it.
2: That makes sense. No, it, it, so we, we do a lot of dinners or tastings and things like that. And one thing we try to do is have that option, if it's not wine, a cocktail or old fashions for us are a good go to, to your point. We do our best to recognize our audience is going to be, Whiskey drinkers and then non-whiskey drinkers. So we want them to... Notes is a big part of it. And We did a dinner recently in... And- uh, old fashions were a big piece of that dinner so we were pairing these great whiskeys with the food but we were also serving the old fashioned with the food and what we were trying to get people to notice is not the whiskey but the notes how it paired with the food what did you Correct. taste in the food that you enjoyed
0: see and that's the fun part
2: exactly oh it was a blast right. good for you but it helps so my niece she is new to the whiskey world she does it because you know her uncle bobby's in the whiskey world so she wants to her aunt dana's in the whiskey world so she wants to be in it too She's at the she's at the uh, old fashioned phase where before it was, you know, a lot of Coke or ginger ale and then she could handle it. Right. You know, now she's at the old. Right, fa- right. I just know in a year or so her and I'll be splitting a barrel pick, you know, of something. You know, <laughs> something <laughs> Love that, it. It's just it's going to happen, Bravo. but I'll be there Bravo. for her through the whole process. So beautifully said. Thank you.
1: Well, speaking of sharing whiskey, I know we have some delicious Woodford Reserve here. Do you guys want to go ahead and get into some tasting? We
2: have three down here to choose from. We have we have the malt, we have the rye, and we have the weeded the wheat are the three that we're tasting now. I think you have the, I think you have the, yeah, you have the weeded, Katie and uh, Aaron, and I have the malt. We have a whiskey room upstairs. We wanted to stick with Woodford because kind of, you know, part of your legacy there. So we wanted to be a part that to be kind of a memorable. If you're going to drink whiskey and you're going to drink something with a name on it, start from the beginning and start from the beginning with somebody, you know, that that made it their beginning too. We did a tasting with Chris Morris from Woodford Reserve, and it was amazing. And he walked us through what we should taste, how we should taste. But he used terminology that I found interesting and he defined it to a way that made more sense and make, you know, I'll give you an example. He used the word balanced and I would often say this whiskey tastes balanced. And then he taught us what that word really meant. And it was not what I thought it meant. He kind of taught us that the, and I've gotten this from you too, especially with tasting notes, it's important what you say. And then if you're going to lead a tasting like we do, it is very important what you say. Because to say something is balanced, or say something is citrus, or to say something is piney, or whatever it may be, your listeners need to know what that means. So we're drinking the. You are drinking the um, the wheat. The wheat. We're drinking the um, the malt. We, um, yeah, we've
3: got we've got a, a couple different Woodfords. I, I guess uh, if you were almost to lead a tasting for someone that is never. Tasted whiskey before, maybe tasted a couple whiskeys before. How would you sort of guide them? I guess to to do a tasting of something, and just sort of knowing that you know the Woodford line. There, what would you tell us to uh, think about?
0: Sure. Well, I think the first thing uh, that I like to encourage people to do is to organize their thoughts and to really think about first impression of what I call predominant flavors. So. You know, without too much, you know, pomp and circumstance, when I ask somebody to nose a whiskey, you know, I'm going to ask them just take some air in through your nose, keep your mouth open a little bit and then pull it away very quickly. What was the very first snap decision on the nose? What, what overcame you? Some, you know, care that about is- ice cream,
3: cereal. Bread. Okay. <laughs> Gingerbread. Love
0: me. it. Love <laughs> it. And, and normally, That is going to probably follow into a predominant flavor. The reason why I like to do that is because you have to trust your first impression. Mm. Uh, Now, when you taste it, here's where the organization and focus comes in. What I look for, and this is exactly what Lincoln Henderson taught, so this is no different, was to look for complexity. Mm. Okay. You know, he might have said balance. I say complexity. Uh, because any bourbon that can walk you around the proverbial flavor wheel and you can describe in each category of fruit, spice, sweet, earth, you can go on to herbaceous, you can go on to florals, you can go on to so many. But I try to organize my thinking because think of what we do. Normally, when people take a sip of whiskey, they'll go, "Mm, I get some vanilla, I get some pepper, I get some, those might be the predominant things you're getting, but let's zero in and organize our thought and just think fruit only. So take a sip of what you're tasting right now and only think of fruit. Only focus on fruit, which by the way, a little trick, if you want more fruit notes to come out is to add a couple drops of water. That brings the fruit notes out if you like. But when you organize your thinking and you're only thinking fruit, what did you get? Don't think of any other flavors right now. Pear. I was I was okay. gonna say mine was like a golden apple into a pear, and yeah. then I got like a little there bit you go. Of vanilla yeah, finish. Mine
3: was apple, but like a sweet apple.
0: Great, great. And and I love that you defined it as golden and sweet. Because normally if I say I taste apple that's when i challenge you is it a red apple a golden apple is it uh green you know because that's very different mm-hmm. green is tart red is sweet golden delicious is light and airy and you know uh, like a pear like you i think you even said that didn't mm-hmm. pear, pear. Yep. To apple right so see what i'm saying this is how i got people
2: what's impressive about it 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 so I, 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 my degree was in psychology, and I worked with children. The child development was my was my focus. Um, I didn't use that, obviously. I went to drinking instead. But anyway, <laughs> before back in the day when I wanted to, uh, it is
0: a psychology, you know. Yeah.
2: So they would, you would introduce things to kids to whether it was for trauma or whatever it may be. You would introduce these small items, and they would build a story based on you can't just You can't just say what happened to you. You have to introduce Correct. small sections. What happens with kids is they build a story off those small pieces. They put up put together a puzzle. So right. thinking through this with you, I tasted pear, and then I'm think I'm actually picturing myself. When's the last time I had a pear? What kind of pear was it? Correct. It was one of those brown Correct. pears. I don't remember what. Do, what those do you know like a cool. bosque, bosque
0: yeah, pear? Yeah, yeah, and
2: I was thinking, man, it had a, a bitter kind of nice sweetness, but there was a bitterness to it. Do, a whole yeah. moment happened in my head, and it good, helped me. You know what I mean? Good.
1: That's so funny that you went there because I went, so I went Bartlett pear and the thought that went through my mind was the last time I made like a pear and goat cheese and pecan salad and how frustrated I was that I didn't get the pears at the perfect point of ripeness. And I was
0: like, oh, it's still going to taste like it.
1: Yeah. That's so cool to
0: me. I hear you, girl. That's I'm (laughs) with you on pears. They have to be good and ripe. Right. But that's my point is that I like to take a category at a time and organize my thinking, especially when I'm doing tasting notes, because, you know, then you can exhaust yourself on all the fruit notes that you get. And don't kill yourself on it. If all you get apple and pear and that's it, I can't get any more fruit notes, then leave it alone. Now let's go to spice. Take a sip. And I want you to only think of the category of spice. Do you guys feel like you just leveled up to the next round of a test? Yeah, this is not- awesome. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I feel like I'm being tested for NASA, and I might fail. That's what it is. <laughs> there, no. there you go.
0: There you go. There's so a big award high. here. There's a big award here at the end of the show. If First whoever off, wins this,
2: and you, you are, challenge. you get to be Peggy you No. Know, Steven, so you get to live in this world to go in a tasting with you. In itself is amazing, and I know I've given you maniacally, <laughs> but that. And also intimidating because I'm like, I don't don't say the wrong thing. Know your spices, Bobby. You guys know are doing your spices. Great. Keep going. <laughs> nutmeg. <laughs>
0: well see, that's that's the thing, is that I love I mean, I know the experts always tell you what we think, but anybody really can do this. And that's my whole point is it's food memory. That's yeah. all we're doing, is food memory. So think spice. What'd you get?
2: I got nutmeg.
0: Nutmeg. Okay. Yeah. I, anybody else?
2: I got like a
3: dried ginger. I'm trying. I'm trying to reach Great. to 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 dried ginger. What sort of ginger? I was going to say ginger, but that like a, uh, more of a dried sort of powdered ginger. And to your point, well, Aaron, I love
0: that because it is different. Mm-hmm. It is different than a raw, mm-hmm. fresh ginger. That's what You're I was right.
2: going to say. My nutmeg is it's that cooked Christmas nutmeg. Oh, yeah. It's not that. Yeah, you smell not that you smell from like the, baking
0: spice. Yeah, yeah. like baking exactly. spice. Like the part
1: yeah. where you're you're making Christmas cookies and you dash it in and you want to take like just a bite of the dough just to get like let that yeah, flavor exactly. touch it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I definitely got the nutmeg and then I got, bear with me, I, <laughs> kind of like a cayenne heat, but not the flavor. Just I love it. Like enough uh-huh. of a spike to it to, to cut mm-hmm. through the rounded finish.
0: You know what I mean? Mm. Sure, sure. You. And you know specifically a difference between, you know, the cayenne and cinnamon. Cinnamon tastes very different than cayenne. Mm-hmm. The cayenne brings heat. Cinnamon brings heat. Do you see the difference here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All of a sudden we're getting sexy with yeah. our vocabulary. <laughs> I, love I feel it. like it. And uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now one, one more taste and we'll go to sweet. Just to, I just to. I'm, I'm kind of having fun with this. I love it. It's <laughs> fun. We're, we're here all day. This is like. Yeah. It's like improv
1: poetry. Great. I think this is how right. Freddie Mercury and David Bowie got together and made Under Pressure and it was a classic <laughs> on the, on the whim. And I okay. feel like. Okay. We're sure. on a similar
0: path, yeah. guys. It's exactly. See, that. you knew me too well because I'm a huge David Bowie fan. So
3: is my wife. <laughs> so is Christine. Huge.
0: I literally was listening to "Under Pressure" Friday night. Oh my! Literally yeah. listening.
1: Meant to be. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: In Suffragette City, wherever that is. Suffragette City. So. All right. Yeah. There
1: you go. Yeah. <laughs> I always. I- can't help myself. Now uh, all I, I know, can taste I is 80s
2: rock. That's right. <laughs>
1: sure <I> <laughs> <laughs> 80s
2: pop. That's all I get off this
0: note. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, next time you have me on the show, we're gonna pair
1: whiskey with music. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. I love that. We started <laughs> mm-hmm. we started kicking around an idea. I love music. Uh, I love music. Oh yeah. And okay, here's here's another movie reference. Sure. Um Disney Pixar Ratatouille. Um, yes. Peggy, I don't know if you've seen it. So In essence, it's about this rat in France who doesn't want to steal food with the rest of his family. He wants to become a chef and really understand how to pair different flavors together and make something, not steal something. And the way that they animate the combination of different flavors, you see the characters kind of close their eyes and then it just goes into a black space behind them and you see this light and color and sound that pops up to describe each one. So I'm right there Uh with you. Exactly.
0: Exactly. she's
2: right though when you drink with a good song record or the second solo to comfortably numb pairs so well <laughs> with a with a scotch i'm telling you it I does believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it just does you feel you feel every high note every e every uh, everything get david gilmore's trying to tell you you can hear through a it
0: becomes more alive you know yeah, what i mean you become yeah. more alive. for the yeah.
2: listeners you should do that
0: i love it there you go there you go. Uh, what,
3: what are well. we trying to taste now? Sweet? What? <laughs> David oh, yeah. Bowie. See, I've already thrown you off track. Uh, what would David Bowie drink is what
0: we want to know. I'm yeah. just kidding. Uh, sweet. Sweet, sweet, okay. sweet, sweet, What do you get for sweet?
2: I mean this in a good way. Here we go. We're going down the path of stories. I used yeah. to, I'm, So sure. I'm from Texas, Southern Baptist Church. My grandmother would reach into her purse and pull out those Werther's Caramel. Butterscotch and, coffee. Yeah, there it, it is candies yeah. to shut us up really yeah. is what she was doing <laughs> my
0: dad loved them my dad loved them
2: my grandmother's purse candy first off was the best <laughs> tasting thing on the planet mint caramel caramel caram- or whatever but that's what it reminds me of those werther's um caramel candies yeah. that's yeah. the sweetness sure. i get from it it's yeah. funny that you
3: say yeah that.
0: that's that's a beautiful description it's funny beautiful that you
2: say that i specifically
3: get cow tails candy the the chewy oh, ah, with the yes. cream in the middle that's what i'm getting and I, th- I think. And we I really think
0: don't know what that cream I, is. But we know yeah, it's that's something. Right. No, it's delicious,
2: whatever it is.
3: <laughs> I, it is. It's
2: probably bad yeah. for me. You don't want to know what it
3: is. It's, 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 it's one not, of those things.
2: It's, it's bad for we you. Don't care. It's engineered, it's just, it's just but it's good. delicious. I'm not Googling anything right good. now. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, it just tastes good.
1: <laughs> so I'm keeping in mind that I'm drinking the Woodford Reserve wheat. So different from you guys. So the sweetness that I got was a lot more subtle. It's kind of a honey, but it's kind of a watered down honey. Like when you're making tea for yourself and what I always do is I put a big glob of honey in my my teacup or my co- coffee mug I'm gonna be realistic in my coffee mug <laughs> and then put water in and microwave it up so it starts to really just you know percolate a little bit mm-hmm. and and that's kind of the the light honey that I get and because of the memory it, it has me thinking of you know I drink this stuff before I sing that's right it's like a, a little bit of the bitter of a leftover tea bag to kind of mm-hmm. not make it such a sweet. Kiss at mm-hmm. the end. Sure.
2: I, I want sure. to take a piece That's
0: a little of, bit of that tannin if you get some of the tea yes, based flavors. Yes, it yes. makes
2: you want to get like for me, some pear, a little bit of nutmeg, and some <laughs> caramel and just dip it all in. And a, some cowtails. You know what I mean? Or and whatever. Some
3: cowtails, yeah.
2: That's nuts how you can well, set dissect it like that. Oh my god. Well,
0: and and we could go, I mean, honestly, we could go on and on. We could say, okay, now think earthy notes, now think herbaceous notes, now think do you see how come, and so then after I've kind of gone through that exercise, I look back at all my notes and I think, wow, this bourbon had a ton of complexity or, wow, I got very little sweet notes that I got a ton of fruit flavor mm-hmm. or I've got a ton of spice, zero fruit, you know, it, it. and you don't make it up. I mean, you literally go along and that organizes your thought and complexity in a bourbon, is the name of the game of quality.
2: Can I can I ask you a question, Peggy? So, sure. Let's say, and we made our we made a rye, or we blended a rye rather. But typically, I'm not a rye guy, not a rye fan. Okay. Neither is we. We're just not mm-hmm. rye people. But with bourbon or scotch or sing, American single malts or whatever, when we find somebody that says I don't like that thing, we try to mm-hmm. not change their mind, but gauge them in different flavors. How do you take rye. somebody that may say I don't like a thing and because I'll give you an example. I don't like rye because I don't like anise and anise mm-hmm. is very front with rye. It's that it's that weird licorice t- taste. So I try yeah. my best being a whiskey drinker to kind of gauge myself around that and find other notes. Do you find people that just say I just don't like I can't get into bourbon. I don't like it. I, I can't get into it. And then you kind of combat that with flavor notes or will have you tried looking mm-hmm. at A or B or C.
0: Absolutely. Because the beautiful thing about all of our master distillers and production managers who make whiskey is everybody has their own signature style. And there's no way that you're going to take taste licorice necessarily in every single bourbon you drink. So, you know, that's when I start introducing people. In in fact, I'll just give you a better example. In the good old days when we had events (laughs) and I would line up in front of me. a Yeah. You remember those days? (laughs) Uh, and I would line up in front of me uh, different styles of bourbon. It could be anything from maker's mark all the way to baker's, but it would be different styles and recipes and, you know, barrel notes. And something you know, the public would come up and they'll say, oh, yes, I'd love to pour and teach me, you know, what, what do you recommend? They asked me what I would recommend. And the first question I throw back at them is, well, let me ask you a question. Do you like spicy food? Do you like desserts? you know, do you like uh, smoky smoked meats and salamis and things? And then I ask them about their food flavors that they normally go to. And they're like, oh my gosh, yes, I love desserts and sweets. And, you know, then I'm going to give them a caramel, heavy caramel based, sweet based bourbon. You know, if somebody says, oh, I love spice, that more kick of spice, the better. I love cayenne. I love then I'm going to give them a high rye. Mm. So to your point, to your point i think the big education is guess what bourbon is not all alike bourbon is a whiskey not all whiskey bourbon you know but all bourbons are not alike and god bless our master distillers for making it that way because we have different styles and inter- keep introducing to people based on what they normally gravitate to because i don't care for licorice at all you know black licorice i'll eat red licorice but not black licorice mm-hmm. so when i taste black licorice in a bourbon i'm not thinking that bourbon's bad it's just not according to my taste
2: mm. gotcha No, that's amazing that's what a great way what a great what a great teaching tool for people new to the whiskey world or even myself and you know i've been in it for a while but i find myself you know putting up a wall when i probably shouldn't i just need to look elsewhere you know Basically, right. yeah. Right.
1: Just got to be open minded and get into the, the open layers.
2: minded. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Everybody has to relax, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Calm That's down.
2: Calm just down. Calm settle down, down. and <laughs> let's
0: have some fun. Jeez, How about we have some on, fun? Come on, people! Stop being yeah. so
2: serious and just drink it. He yeah. says, "Calm down." I mean, it's
0: so funny. It's so funny to me because um, you know when people would enter a class of mine and you know to teach and everything, uh, they'd be they would be nervous on what to say or they would be afraid of saying the wrong thing, and that's not what our bourbon industry is about. We're about having fun and enjoying the product, no matter what way you drink it, whether it's a cocktail, if it's tomato juice, <laughs> whatever you the way you want. Whatever you want. Yeah. So whatever you want. And that's you know, amazing. that's that's how we'll win as an industry is making it approachable and friendly. So Peggy,
1: you might have already preempted me on this one, but as as we get close to close, knowing that the Cask Chasers is all about reaching out to new whiskey enthusiasts and also helping experienced whiskey enthusiasts kind of stay on their toes and just keep experiencing things in a different way. What kind of parting advice, words, thoughts would you have for our listeners based on your, your experience and and everything that you've done for the industry?
0: I, I would say that it's exciting for me being in the industry when I see a consumer get excited about the anticipation of drinking a new product. Okay. That's a thrill for me to watch them, how they engage with the product for the consumer. I would say. Explore, look at bourbon as a soft adventure. And the stories behind the bourbon are truly almost more important than the bourbon itself. Because I have a a huge fascination and affinity for different master distillers because I've gotten to, I've had the luxury of getting to know them personally. You know, over the course of time, you know, I think of of our younger generation, like the Caleb Kilburns of Peerless, who is just as wonderful of a human being you can ever imagine, who's making great whiskey. So it makes me like his whiskey better, honestly. Mm -hmm. So it's all about our relationships we make along the way and learning about the stories behind the bourbon and your relationship with that bourbon. Um, and it's all soft adventure. It's all soft adventure, and I I think everybody should just have fun with it. It's great to have your favorites. I mean, I I have some of my favorites that I my go tos, if you will. But explore, 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 and meet as many people in this fabulous industry as you can. That's beautifully said.
2: This has been a true masterclass. I mean,
3: Piggy, honestly. I I could <laughs> talk with you for nine more hours straight and not get bored. So we've I mean, done,
2: and I mean this, I, I keep. You know, showering you with these compliments. I didn't want to be gratuitous. I didn't. I
0: love you. I might. I mean, you said you do have a wife, or I do. <laughs> yeah.
2: My wife. Can I say something? I mean, I'm getting
0: more. I'm getting more compliments than you good. <laughs>
2: Peggy. I said in a message to our group, I said, I, I'll, "I'll say it over the air. I don't care." I said, "Peggy, no, is amazing. She's a treasure." And my wife texted back, "Should I be worried?" And I literally texted back, "Maybe, hopefully, you." Honestly, you have been fantastic. It's 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 you are a legend in an industry. Regardless of you know opinion or whatever, you truly are. And to sit with you and to taste whiskey and to learn the who who better to tell you how to take not how to taste but a way to taste than you? And that's that's important. It's not just me because cast chasers is something that's important to me. Bringing you to our listeners is important to me because I want them to hear how important women are in the industry. Stop looking at women like they're second class to whiskeys. You know, start tasting whiskey appropriately. Enjoy yourself when you're drinking it. Stop being snobbish. So that's to right. hear people like you say, drink it with tomato juice, you know what I mean, or whatever. <laughs> right. Seriously, though, that that's empowering. That's impo- that's powerful. And um, it means the world to me. So, yes, my wife should be worried. <laughs> 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 and to, to just echo what Bo, what Bobby's
3: saying there, it is less and less from people within the industry anymore that we hear sort of, you know, those sort of things or that's pedestrian or, or this thing or that thing. So I think the whiskey industry is headed in the right direction at the very Hopefully. least as far as that goes. From people within the industry, Bobby brings up, uh, you know, Pandaren all the time. They accidentally have an all-female distilling team.
2: And, and we asked just, him about We asked him, did you do that? to you know empower women because that's that's a that's the question a guy asks you know is this to empower right. women right and our friend mike who is the ambassador for them said we just hired the best people for the job yeah and it's, i think you're just seeing more of
3: that as that. well it should be it's yeah that. yeah
0: the yeah. best people for the job the best people for as the job. well it should be
3: we'll talk for we're going to push our hundred more hundred more hours later. Away. can she you say,
1: say i'm just gonna hit the mute no though right. this has been wonderful and an absolute pleasure and peggy we're definitely reaching out to you so we can do a uh tasting with music.
0: I love that idea. That'd be great. And and we could do a little food pairing from my Witch Fortune I Use With My Bourbon.
3: Yeah. Can you talk about that for like a few seconds here? I know, which I, know <laughs> I let meant you to bring go, it up. <laughs> can you talk about your book for just a just a minute or two?
0: Oh well, sure. Um well Which Fortune I Use With My Bourbon uh came out actually just this year. Susan Wrigler, who's a dear friend of mine, also a whiskey writer critic, was the former President of Bourbon Women, uh, she and I came together, and we decided that it was time for us to write almost everything we know about, you know, how to plan bourbon events, how to do a tasting in your own home, you know, hospitality and the culture and lifestyle of our industry, food pairings, advanced food pairings, derby parties. And um, we we decided that you don't have to be an expert, as I've been saying and preaching this entire time uh, on your show is that you don't have to be an expert to enjoy our lifestyle and and the way we do it. Now we're going to teach you and we're going to suggest techniques that we have learned along the way, some tricks of the trade that we have learned along the way, and then take it and run and go have fun. There's cocktail recipes in it. There's other recipes, but it's just a very easy, very visual Book. I'll pull some food pairings out of it next time we get together. My wife
2: just ordered two books. My wife Dana and Aaron's wife Christina, who run our events. We do a lot of events, and they're great. They're amazing. We get good people, bring new whiskey, old whiskey people to uh, dinner pairings or live events, meeting great people like you, distillers and whatnot. And these are the two women that actually one hundred percent do it for us. Um, they put on. So the in events. other
0: words, they're the. They're the brains behind the operation. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Absolutely. We run the show. They run the show. <laughs> that's great. So we're, that's we're, great. we're super. I'm so glad you brought him on.
2: That's all. Now I'm going to push the mic away. I promise. I promise I'm
1: done. <laughs> we got to cut this lady loose. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll that'll about wrap it up for us. Um, Peggy, again, thank you so much. This has been an absolute treat.
0: My pleasure. One. Always fun to talk with you guys. My In- pleasure. Oh. Sorry,
1: I just got all the warm and fuzzies again.
2: She would do it in the first That's right, Peggy, Consummate no one doesn't in the first run, no one we don't do it in the first <laughs> in the first shot. Thank you so much,
0: well, you know <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> when you got it, you got it. All right. uh-huh.